Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Uh, Like you saw in the video, we're starting a brand new teaching series today. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, This series is called uh, Breath, Doves, Clouds, and Fire. And it's these metaphors that we see over and over again through Scripture for the way that the Holy Spirit moves and works. And we're going to explore those over the next few weeks. Um, And I'm excited to be talking about it because the Holy Spirit is an aspect of God that um, we haven't spent a ton of time teaching on in a series like this, uh, but it's, a, it's an important aspect of who God is. Um, and I'm also excited about it because um, every one of us in this room has an understanding uh, or an idea or a picture. Uh, when I say Holy Spirit, something comes to mind. Uh, it could be a good thing. It could be a neutral thing. Maybe it's a negative experience that you've had with, with uh, you know, the way somebody talked about the Holy Spirit or the way that uh, it's kind of all across the board. And then the other piece of it is you start to then process through, well, what does the Holy Spirit look like or act like? And, and then we have like, well, is it a ghost or is it sparkly things or is it power or, or what is this? And so I want to talk about this because it's important for all of us to be able to kind of get a baseline together of, of who is the Holy Spirit? Why does this conversation matter so much? Um, And then the third reason why I'm excited about this is because uh, of our friends and our family and the people in our community that don't have a relationship with God. So many of them, and a lot of times uh, people come to South Hills and and they're exploring. Maybe they were just bribed to come here. There's a number of people that come to South Hills that aren't Christians, um, but they like the community. And, And I love that we get to be that kind of church and we will always be that kind of church. Uh, but for people that maybe haven't made a decision to follow Jesus uh, or to become a Christian, oftentimes what they'll say, and you can help me finish this sentence if, if you've heard this before, but they say, well, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. So many people that I know have articulated these words. I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. And oftentimes in church, uh, oftentimes with us, with Christians, we are not spiritual, but we are religious. <laughs> Uh, and, and so we kind of become, uh, we lean different directions, lean different ways into our faith, into what it is that Christianity says, into how we act, into who we invite in and who is not welcome in. And, and so as we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, I actually think that this is one of the most unique ways that we can start to expand this conversation and invite people that may be skeptical, that may have had bad experiences or may have been hurt by church in the past, because I believe that they're longing for something that the Holy Spirit is actually able to provide. A few years ago, I got to go to a wedding as a guest. It doesn't happen that much anymore. Usually when I go to weddings now, I'm officiating the weddings. Um, But it was uh, a couple that I knew and um, I knew three people there, the, the two people getting married, and then um, Nicole, who attends South Hills. Actually, Nicole is uh, hosting uh, our online service right now, so shout out to Nicole for volunteering online. Um, and I didn't know anybody else at this wedding. Um, as my wife last minute, she wasn't able to go, and so I said, Nicole, 
can I sit with you, please? Uh, I don't want to be alone and that weird person. So, uh, so we hung out, and uh, and you guys, Nicole is usually here in person. She's got blonde hair. She does announcements a lot. She's super bubbly and fun and friendly and outgoing and always just ready to have a good time. And and th- those are all the reasons why we love Nicole. Um, this couple that was getting married worked with Nicole, and so many of the people that were at the wedding were from the company that she works for, and it was hilarious to me as I sat there with the Nicole that I knew and watched all of these people come up and interact with her, and it was very different than when we interact with Nicole. Not in a bad way, but just in a way of, because Nicole is an incredible leader. Uh, she has a lot of responsibility and a lot of influence at her company, and you could tell by the way that those people were coming up and talking to her. When, when we're here, Nicole's like, everybody come out. We're going to have a barbecue. Yeah, we're going to have a movie night. Let's all hang out. We're gonna... And there, like, people were bringing her reports and things. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. But there was like this, this serious like respect. There was a difference in the tone, the way that they approached her because of the relationship that they had with her was only kind of in one context. It was a work context. The relationship that I have with her is in a church context, in a friendship context. Neither of those are are lies. It's just one side. There's multiple sides to who she is. There's multiple sides to who all of you are. Most of you get this because there's one side of who you were as you rolled into church this morning and the way you were talking to your kids in the car. And then the other side of when you like ushered them into their classroom, like, all right, sweet darling, now it's time to, there's multiple aspects of who we are. We get this idea, and I think that sometimes what happens is when we know someone in one way, we just kind of assume that they're always that way. A lot of you guys have this experience. Uh, maybe you've run into like a, a teacher from elementary school now as an adult. And you're like, wait a minute. What are you doing at the grocery store? Uh, there's like this sense of like, oh, you're, you're supposed to be in that classroom, you know, for 50 years. That's all you're able to do. Um, we we kind of simplify people down to this one dimension of how we know them. And we do the same thing with God. We talk about God. We're very familiar and comfortable with this idea of God as father. It's a metaphor we understand. uh, And we hear stories about God. And and even other religions talk about God. And and then we have this idea of who Jesus is. And and we're comfortable with this idea of the son. And we understand the relationship of a father and a son. And and Jesus was loving and full of grace and mercy and, and, and lived this beautiful life. And And we just don't spend a lot of time thinking about or talking about or considering the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, it actually is kind of minimized down to like, well, the Holy Spirit is like the superpower that you get if you're a good enough Christian. Then you'll be able to experience some of that special power. And that's a really uh, broken way of looking at it. And it's important for us because we're going to talk about some things over the next few weeks that are important to discuss. But we kind of have to set a little bit of a foundation today as we go into this. God is bigger and more broad than anything we could ever imagine. There's so much depth and dimension Romans 11.34, Paul writes it, and he says it this way. He says, is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done him such a huge favor that God has to ask his advice? Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. There's this reality that we need to be reminded of the fact that God is bigger and more grand, and more beautiful, and more complex, and more mysterious than we could ever understand. 
And the moment you actually think you have a pretty good idea of who God is, you're probably way off. Because the reality is for most of us, if you could understand all of who God is and exactly the way that God works, I don't know that that would actually be a God worth trusting anyways, a God worth following anyways. We make God oftentimes in our own image, and we understand the idea of a father, and we understand the idea of a son, but it's hard for us to process what is, what is spirit. If we keep seeking and learning about who God is, there's so much depth to be had. By show of hands, just want to see, I don't know if you guys will shout out or not, so just show of hands. If you guys would like to experience any of the following things, uh, you can just raise your hand up. How many of you guys would like to have some guidance in your life? Okay, a handful of you guys should have your hands up still. Uh, wisdom, instruction, peace, comfort, uh, the list goes on. Joy, uh, all these things. All of these things, the scripture tells us, all of these things are given to us by the Holy Spirit. All of these things that we long for, we actually get to experience and we get to take hold of because of the Holy Spirit. Now, God is absolutely loving and beautiful and created, and Jesus showed us a beautiful way to live and, and was this uh, picture of what does it look like to follow the way that God has called us to live. And the Holy Spirit is actually the person of God that gives us the power to experience the things that we most want to experience, the power to be able to live the way we most want to live. All month, we're going to be talking about this, and I want to give us a little bit of a baseline. So uh, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. Have you guys heard this word Trinity before? Very silent answer. I like it. A lot of head nods, but not a single peep. Uh, so I run a very strict classroom here. Uh, the Trinity is, uh, is a word that we use to describe who God is. The Trinity, uh, the word Trinity is actually not found in the Bible, but it's a word that was created to, de de to define the way that God is explained and articulated in the scriptures. It kind of, if you break it apart, it means uh, tri-unity, which is obviously, it's like, how can you have three unity uh, and that's part of the mystery of God. God is not uh, one God with three personalities. Sometimes people think, well, God in the Old Testament is angry, but then he became nice with Jesus, and now he's mystical with the Spirit. It's not one God with three different personalities. It's uh, God, three persons in one. And if that feels difficult to understand, that's appropriate. It is difficult to understand. It's difficult for us to process. We've used different types of illustrations to, to explain this before, and every illustration works a little bit, but it also isn't perfect. Uh, some people have talked about um, an egg. You know, if you have an egg, you have the shell of the egg, and you have the egg white, and you have the egg yolk. Well, which part is the egg? It's like, well, they're all, they're all the egg. Uh, it helps kind of us understand a little bit. There's one way uh, people have talked about this kind of through the understanding of the human psyche and how there's three different kind of components of the human psyche. And, and there's this question that one, one philosopher asked, and I put it up on the screen because it's easier to understand it this way. He says, ask yourself, and you guys can do this in your mind, when I think, who is listening and who is talking? When you think, who's listening and who's talking? And maybe more concerned about how many voices are talking in your heads. No, but there's this, we, again, this doesn't explain perfectly the Trinity, but it helps us understand even in our own minds, there's a, a bit of a plurality. There's this aspect of, of talking and listening and kind of a relationship that we have with ourself. Another way of thinking about this is me as a, uh, as a father, 
Um, I'm a husband, and I'm also a pastor. Um, as a dad, one of the things that my kids love to do the most is go get frozen yogurt. Uh, and um, so when I take my son to go get frozen yogurt, I'm a dad mode the entire time because he wants to put all of the yogurt in the bowl, and then he wants all 90 of the toppings. You know, he's like mixing the gummy bears and the Oreos and the peanut butter sauce. Like none of these flavors should go together. And of course, I'm the dad when we get to the register and we start to pay, and there's like this kind of fatherly aspect. Uh, and then when I'm at the register, there's someone that sees me and it's like, oh, Hey, Chris, and they, you know, they know me as a pastor. And all of a sudden, now I, I kind of shift. And now I'm interacting as a pastor. So I bless their froyo and I'd send them up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but there's a, a difference that kind of changes. The way I interact is different with them. And, and then when I get home, my wife is not interested in ever having Pastor Chris at the house. It's always husband Chris, sometimes father Chris, but never, pa- you know, so there's these different aspects of, of the way I interact with people. Again, this doesn't accurately or perfectly explain the Trinity or the fullness of who God is. But the closest that we can get is by painting some sort of pictures that help us recognize there are these aspects of mystery in our lives, and especially, and even more so, in the trinity of who God is. God is a mystery, and there will never be a way to perfectly explain him. One author said it this way. He said, God does not come to us in nicely defined, rationally explained thought categories, God doesn't fit himself into our theological textbooks. God breaks all of the rules. He is near, yet transcendent. He's he's clothed in human form, yet holy. He's invisible, yet revealed. Judging, yet merciful. Sovereign, yet humble. No matter where you look, God breaks the molds. And so part of what I want us to get to today is I want us to get to a place where we're at least comfortable with acknowledging that I can't fully understand God. Because some of us, that's a a hurdle. That's a hurdle for us. For some of us, that's a difficult thing. And we feel like if I can't fully understand it, then I can't believe it. I was listening. There's a comedian named Pete Holmes. And I wanted to show the clip. But there's way too many bad words in the clip. So uh, I was like, maybe I can just beep it out. But it would miss half the clip. But he basically talks about how... He's like, everything is crazy. And he says, you know, you, you think that you're in America. He's like, zoom out. You're on a rock floating through space. And he starts talking about just like the mystery of chaos. He's like, I'm made of molecules. And this table is made of molecules. But these molecules somehow know like, oh, this is Chris. And this is table. He's like, and if I touch the table, somehow they, the molecules, according to science, they, they kind of go into each other. And when you ask scientists how that happens, they say, we don't know how that happens. And so he's going on in this whole idea of like, there's so much about life and space and dimensions and, and, and all of these things that we just, we don't know. And that is also very true of our understanding of who God is. But there's some aspects that we can know about who the Holy Spirit is. There's some aspects we can know about the way that God intended for us to relate to the Holy Spirit. And I want to give just a a brief four bullet point idea of the Holy Spirit throughout time, because the first uh, moment that we actually hear about the Holy Spirit is in the very beginning. Page one of Genesis one, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the what? Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. From the very beginning, you have this picture that God is uh, in relationship, in unity, working with the Word, the Spirit, the Son, the Father, in this beautiful picture. It says the Spirit is hovering over the waters. In Hebrew, it's this word, uh, ruach, which sounds like you're clearing something out of your throat. Let's all say that together. Ruach, yes. Uh, It it kind of sounds like Klingon, too, if you ever watch Star Trek. Not that I did. (laughs) Not that I did. Uh, But... um, but there's this idea that the Spirit was there. The Spirit was there hovering. It's not that the, the, the Holy Spirit just kind of like showed up later on. It's not that the Holy Spirit just showed up at Pentecost or just showed up when Jesus was baptized. The Spirit has been a part of creation and a, and a part of our understanding of who God is since the beginning. The Spirit was there at creation. As you go on throughout history, and I'm, I'm very much kind of cliff noting this, throughout the Old Testament, as God is interacting with his children in Israel, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, oftentimes is with certain people and in certain sp- situations, and in very specific situations. Oftentimes, most often, it was with the Holy Spirit would be with certain kings or certain priests or certain prophets. Uh, every once in a while, though, it would talk about the Holy Spirit with being with somebody else. Actually, the first example of the Holy Spirit being with somebody, it was an artist, uh, it was a sculptor who was helping sculpt these uh, beautiful, ornate things to go in the temple. But every once in a while in the Old Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit very specifically would go to a person or a place for a certain time. And then it was over. It was done. It wouldn't be with everybody, and it wouldn't be forever. But there's one prophet named Joel who actually was speaking on behalf of God and was kind of giving this illumination of what was to come. In the book of Joel chapter 2, it says, Then in those days I will pour my spirit, the Holy Spirit, out to all humanity. Your children will boldly and prophetically speak the word of God. Your elders will dream dreams. Your young warriors will see visions. No one will be left out. In those days I will offer my spirit to all, all servants, both male and female. So you have in this time where it's like, well, the, the, the Holy Spirit was there in creation. The Holy Spirit was with specific people at specific times throughout history. But there was this kind of idea or this promise that at some point the Holy Spirit would actually be for everybody, that everybody would be able to have access to this aspect of who God is. And then again, if you fast forward a little bit, you come to the life of Jesus in the New Testament. In the book of Matthew, chapter 3, Jesus is walking and he's going down to the river and John the Baptist is at the river. John the Baptist was a prophet who was uh, baptizing people saying, the Messiah is going to come and you need to get your act together, uh, basically. Uh, And he's like, you need to repent and you need to be baptized. And then into this scene, as he is in process of doing this, Jesus walks in. And in Matthew chapter 3, it says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, which is interesting because you would assume that John would want to be baptized by Jesus, which is exactly what happened. John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Kind of the sense of you're the Messiah. Why do you need to be baptized? I'm just a human. I have issues. I have sins. I have struggles. I should be baptized by you. But Jesus replies, let it be so now. 
it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented, saying John would go and baptize him. And it's just an interesting thing to note. Jesus says it is proper to do this. This is something that all of us, everyone should do. Kathy talked about baptisms earlier. There's actually a bunch of kids from VBS that have expressed interest. They said yes to Jesus, and they want to get baptized. We have baptisms coming up next Sunday. And if you haven't been baptized yet, according to Jesus, it is proper for us to do this. If we believe in who God is, then we should take that step and get baptized. Uh, and, and please, please let us know if you have questions about that. It's beautiful. It's fun. It's a celebration and a party. And, and I hope that you will let us be a part of that with you. So it says, John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, the heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Now, this is a really beautiful picture that a lot of times, if you've grown up in church, you probably just read through this like, oh, yeah, I'm familiar with this story. But in this moment, you have the Trinity, the three persons of God together in this moment, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's important for us to see this because what happens from this moment, after this, Jesus actually begins his ministry is what the scripture says, his earthly ministry, which is, means this is where Jesus begins healing people, doing miracles, teaching, uh, including the, the, all the incredible things that we look at Jesus like, man, that is incredible. All of that happens after the spirit comes and rests on top of him. He goes out and he begins his earthly ministry. And we'll just put a little asterisk there. We're going to come back to that. Jesus' baptism, the Spirit is there. First service, I forgot to turn all of these glasses around. <laughs> I'm using mason jars so we can put this on Pinterest later and the whole thing. So, so the Spirit was there at creation. Not like God used the power of the Spirit, but the person of the Holy Spirit was there, part of creation. The Holy Spirit showed up to a few specific people at a few specific times throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there with the Son and the Father and gave Jesus the ability to begin his ministry and do incredible things that we would all look at and just be absolutely amazed. And then the last thing is in John chapter 14. This is after the resurrection and, and Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's going to go and actually in a little bit of a different spot, he says, it's actually better for you if I go, because if I go, then I can send you the Holy Spirit. And in John 14, verse 25, it says, all of this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. And it's interesting because what Jesus is saying here is like, while I've been here, we've had conversations, and when you're in the room with me, you can hear me. And when I'm here, you can touch me. And we can experience the goodness of what's going to happen. But when I go, something else is going to happen. Someone else is going to come. And it's not going to be limited to a human form. It's God's spirit. And it will be in all of you. He goes on to say, he calls it an advocate. And in your Bibles, uh, it'll always have a little kind of asterisk beside it. 
And if you scroll down to the bottom of the page or the bottom of the app, I guess you don't scroll down when you're holding a physical Bible, but you get it. If you go down, it says that there's no perfect English translation for the word that's used. The word that's used there is parakletos. Everyone say that, parakletos. And from this kind of source uh, word is actually where we get the word um, paralegal. It actually kind of has this legal terminology to it. Sometimes it's defined as comforter. Sometimes it's translated as counselor, helper, encourager. One translation says it means one sent to help. Another translation says it means one who appears on, another, on another's behalf. There's this idea that Jesus is saying, I'm here and I know that you're comfortable with me and I know that you don't want me to go and we have built a relationship and you've seen me do powerful things. But while Jesus is here, God's presence is limited to this physical form. And Jesus is saying, when I go, the Holy Spirit will come and will comfort you and will teach you, and it'll remind you of what I've said, and it'll speak on your behalf, and it'll give you power, and it'll, it'll know you, and it'll care for you. There's this promise that comes with the Holy Spirit, not with the power, not with a mystical glitteriness. <laughs> over and over again, it says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, whom the Father, a person that the Father will send in my name, that person of the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. It's not that God the Father and Jesus the Son are going to give us some special powers. It's that the person of the Holy Spirit is going to come. Jesus promised that we would have the Holy Spirit. It's important because God, the source of all things, reveals himself to us through Jesus and moves in us through the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to think about this because the way that we think about God shapes the way that we think about ourselves and each other. The way we understand who God is is the way that we kind of understand who we are. You see this maybe most clearly for people that really believe that God is just an angry judge who is just looking for reasons to get you in trouble. Those people are usually not nice people. They're looking around also trying to see who they can get in trouble, also trying to see who's breaking the rules because they have an understanding that this is the way that God must be, so this is what matters. The way we understand who God is informs the way that we view ourselves and the way we view others, and when we start to understand that God is the source of all things and, and, and there was an aspect where we needed to be able to see a physical uh, incarnation of what that looked like, and so we got to see Jesus live out what does it mean to be good and loving and full of grace and full of truth. And it was this beautiful thing. And it's not that if you are good enough or smart enough, or if you read enough verses, then you'll get this power. It's a promise that the Holy Spirit is with you and in you. One writer in the New Testament says the same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So it's this idea that God the Father is transcendent out there. God and the Son, Jesus, was right there. And then God, the Holy Spirit, is in here, in you and in I. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching one of his first sermons. And um, he says this in verse 38. He says, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, there is this reality, this reminder that what has been talked about through scriptures for all of time, the Holy Spirit was a part of creation. The Holy Spirit was at specific times and specific places, but there was a promise that everyone would get it. Jesus confirms this promise as the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to comfort and teach and counsel and advise and give you strength. And then we have this reality, this promise that we get to experience in our lives. The Holy Spirit is no longer a certain time or a certain place. The Holy Spirit, according to Peter, is for all of us. We have the Holy Spirit. Yes, I picked a short round glass for myself. <laughs> but we have the Holy Spirit. If you've put your trust in Jesus, like Peter said, if, you, if, you've, if you've put your trust in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you've asked God for forgiveness, the Holy Spirit lives in you. This power, this goodness, this aspect of the nature of who God is, part of the Holy Trinity lives in and with you and I. And there's nothing, like we sang earlier, that you can do to earn it. <laughs> there's nothing that you can do to deserve it. It is part of God's presence with us. And it matters so much that we understand this because the things that you and I want the most, freedom from the sins and the habits and the addictions and the struggles that we have, healed relationships, comfort and peace in the middle of chaos, the ability to, to grow and become fully who we desire to be, the chance to actually know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves me, that I am his child, and there's nothing that I could do to change that. All of those things we experience and we get because of the Holy Spirit. It's so important that we recognize that the Spirit isn't just this power that shows up sometimes. The Holy Spirit is God with us, God in us, God strengthening us, God transforming us. And if we don't have a full or at least a more full picture of who God is beyond the Father and the Son, then we'll never know who to look for to experience the healing that we, we want, the hope that we want. So I think for a lot of us, it's just starting to change the script a little bit. We learn how to talk about certain things and we say those words over and over again. We usually just kind of use the same ways to discuss. And even when you pray, uh, there's some people I know that every time they pray, they start the same way. And every time they end, they start the same way. You probably have learned there's some things that I say the same way every time over and over again. We all have these kind of habitual ways of talking about or even thinking about things. And we have to break that habit to become aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit is with you and with me. And so the homework that you have for this week is um, it's just a simple prayer. It's not, a, it's not even a prayer asking for things. It's just a prayer stating what you believe to be true. A few months ago, we talked about this idea of breath prayers. They're really simple ways for us to meditate, for us just to, to calm ourselves and to focus on something. It's basically you, you breathe in and say a few words, 
you breathe out and you say a few words. And so your homework this week is simply built around this idea of giving yourself a new language to recognize that the Holy Spirit is with you. Breathe in, Holy Spirit, I know you are here. Holy Spirit, I know you are here. He's not here because we're in a church. He's not here because we're together. He's here because God is with you. God is in you. It's not about praying, God, would you please give me courage or please give me strength or let me know that you're here. It's, it's God is here. We need to remind ourselves and wake ourselves up to that reality so that we can lean on the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's important for us to, to begin to expand our mind this way. The God of the universe who lived in perfect relationship within himself, the Trinity, now also lives in you and in I. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.